Anyways, you guys, so I'm super excited about today. So if you were not here last Sunday, you missed a whole lot. Okay, I'm going to try to catch you up to speed. So last Sunday, um, I talked about Afghanistan and what's going on over there. Well, as I was preparing for that, um, I felt like the Lord wanted us as a body to sing a song over the church of Afghanistan. And so I asked, uh, I asked Justin, I said, hey, man, do you feel like the Lord's maybe giving you a song? Pray about it, etc." And we get off the phone, and the Lord just comes upon him, and he, you know, uh, writes a song. And so uh, last Sunday, we actually sang that song together uh, as a church over the church of Afghanistan. And to be honest, when you think about it, it's kind of weird. Like, think about it. We sang a song as a church, a song that we didn't know. It was on the screen, but even the words were just a little jumbled. But we're singing it over the church in another country. Like, is that not faith or what? I know it's like a little tricky sometimes. What are we doing? What's all happening? But we like to walk by faith around here. I don't know what you like to do, but that's what we do. Okay, so get used to things like that. But anyways, so also we asked for an offering. And so we ended up raising $5,565 for them. Barry, Barry mentioned that might be like one of the top five offerings we've taken up spontaneously to give. So that's awesome. Thank you guys for giving. You guys are giving to a real, a real people in Afghanistan. So this past week, I, um, I called Steve uh, Trevino, I believe his last name is, but he's the director of Global Catalytic Ministries. That's the place we gave to. I called him, and um, I, or I, sorry, I didn't call him, I voice memoed him. You know on your Apple, you voice memo? That's my favorite, personally. But I did that. So he got this voice recording, and then he responds back. And what he, how he responded back really caught me off guard in a really good way. And so would you guys want to hear what, how he responded back to me? Okay, so let's play that audio. Hey, Brandon, thank you so much for this message. Man, this is incredible. And uh, the, the offering, wow, so generous of you guys. Uh, just that's going to be a huge blessing for us. And and uh, man, I'm just so stirred by the by the the word that you shared, the song. Like man, that's just that's so powerful because it's exactly what the Lord has spoken to us that there were going to be new songs that 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 are birthed out of this. And it, it, it it's actually something that is very, very dear to us and is something that we have been, been talking about for quite some time with our team that 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 new that that out of out of a new movement was gonna come a new genre of worship and new songs were gonna be sung over the work that God's doing. So man, just just wanna uh, affirm you guys that that you know this is this is right on point with what God's been speaking to us. So man, I'm so excited! I can't wait to hear the song. Uh, I will I'll share it with the team, and I will give you uh, uh, updates and and sort of let you let you know where where uh, we we share that otherwise. And and man, just want to stay connected. So thank. You. So there it is. So he responds pretty much by saying, "If you didn't catch it." that 
because I shared with him two things. I said, one, we have an offering for you. Two, I want to share this song that came out from our body with you. And he's saying in that memo, man, the Lord has been speaking to us about the very same thing, that a song coming forth over the work that God is doing. So what happened last Sunday to me, honestly, was just kind of a, a leap of faith. And lo and behold, the Lord is actually breathing on this. So also, do you want to know a little secret? So the song we sung last week, this whole past week, the worship team have been working together to actually produce it. And so it's actually going to be out on all, like, social media platforms. But more importantly than that, we're, we're, we're singing the song over, of the Lord over his church. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord sings over his people, and we're participating with that. So would you guys want to hear the song? Yeah. Babe, should we do it or no? We should do it? Okay. Let's, let's play. Okay. Yes, I will. I will. So let's play that song, and then I'll give Carissa a shout-out. Do not be ashamed of me, for I'm unashamed to call you mine. It's with many trials that Enter the kingdom, I am faithful, so be faithful to me. Do not be ashamed of me, for I'm unashamed to call you mine. It's with many trials that the kingdom I am faithful so be faithful to me grace for your morning grace in your waiting grace for enduring grace for forgiveness grace in your witness grace for deliverance
every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And Father, would you cause the church of Afghanistan to step forth into her holy, glorious identity. Lord, we declare great grace and mercy upon them in this hour. And Lord, we thank you that we're a family with them. And we thank you that this family is growing pray, Lord, that you would bless them, that you would keep them in Jesus' name. So, Justin wrote the song. He was singing. Uh, Trey was on his electric. Uh, Lisa's in there. Amanda's in there. Who else is in there? Allison singing in there. So it really is a team effort. And so Carissa, she's the one who was mixing and mastering, getting all the volume levels and everything. And so I believe we're pretty much done. Um, we have to master. Is that the final word? You, little tweaks here and there. But nonetheless, so we're going to seal it up. I'm going to reach out to Steve one more time and send it to him and just let it be whatever it is. The cool thing about this is that one of the good reasons why the, this, the, the worship team works well together is because there's really no ambition to make a name for ourselves. Like, I can't think of one person on the team where I'm like, ah, they're, like, really selfish. I mean, maybe Dustin, I don't know when you think about it. <laughs> just joking, just joking. That's not Dustin. That's not him at all. I just got to jab him whenever I can, so. But that's real. The, the, the team, like, no one is... is they're not looking out for their own. They're looking, they want the mind of Christ, and they want to give the Lord what he wants. So it's such a beautiful thing. I'm just excited that if the Lord's doing the Lord's breathing on it. We're not trying to make something happen. The Lord is making it happen. So I uh, just wanted to share that with everyone. That's super exciting because we have to learn how to rejoice. And when God does something through us, we need to celebrate it. So can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Yes. Come on, this song is punching the devil right in the face. We're talking about making the Taliban our family. Guys, we ha we're, we're of a different kingdom here. We're of a different world. I don't know if you caught that yet, but anyways, okay. So if you guys pull out the little insert that you got in your bulletin, this new beginning, so we've been... It's been thrown around, and we've been mentioning it quite often. And so this morning, I wanted to take some time to uh, give some meat to this phrase. So if you don't have one, Dave is going to stand up and pass some around. I think raise your hand. We'll get one to you. Um, there's some lines underneath each one so that, babe, you don't have one? Oh, my gosh. So you can take some notes if you want to. And you said I'm your favorite preacher, babe. Well, gosh. <clears throat> so, anyways, I want to uh, give some, give some, put some meat on the bone just a little bit, so that we can all be tracking together. So you see one through four. I'm definitely not going to get through all of this, so I'm just going to kind of um, let the Lord highlight certain things to me, and just keep it moving because we'll be here all day. Unless y'all want to be here all day. 
Okay, just a couple of y'all, so. <clears throat> All right, Father, we thank you uh, for this time. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. And Father, I and we, we come under the leadership of your Holy Spirit right now. We come underneath your word. Lord, we thank you for the prophetic word of what you're doing at Heart of the Father. And we come underneath that, and we believe it's from you. We humble our hearts, and we want to participate in what you are doing, Lord. So I just pray that you would stir hearts by the Holy Spirit, that you would do a work, Lord, that only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So number one, this new beginning, uh, we had, so we had a, a core team meeting um, last month, and honestly, it was probably one of the more powerful core team meetings we've had in a while, and we were talking about these four things, and so... This is not just like, you know, the elders feel this and, or Brandon does. No, as a core team, the deacons, the staff, we all sense this. And so we're asking God to give us grace to move in this direction and to do some of these things he's asking us to do. Amen? Amen? Amen. Okay, you guys are looking at that list and you're like, I don't know, Brandon, if I want to sign up for this. It's not going to be that bad, I'm telling you, okay? So number one, the Lord, I believe he's highlighting to us, we need to refocus on house meetings. Okay, so right now, Wednesday nights, we're over on the other side. Derek's teaching on spiritual gifts. But after that, we're jumping back into house meetings on Wednesday nights, okay? This is not a filler. This is not a filler just to do something because we need something to do. We sense in our heart the Lord is, is, is beckoning us and calling us to do this. There's a couple reasons. Reason number one in the home is one of the primary places you're going to be able to put forth your supply. Right? You guys hear that from us all the time. Put in your supply. Put in your supply. Well, it's kind of hard on a Sunday morning. But guess what? You have the rest of the week and you have Wednesdays where when we gather together, you can put in your supply. This past week, I had the young adults over. We did what I call shotgun preaching where they come with the word and they share for 10 minutes and we draw names in whoever shares. But they were bringing the word. They were bringing the supply. I was back there taking notes, making sure it's biblical and all that stuff. <laughs> Just joking. But we, it's an atmosphere where they can come and share. And it's the same for you when we meet in homes. It's a place where you can put forth your supply. So if you say, my supply is not big enough. I don't know how to hold the microphone. or I don't. No, no, it has nothing to do with this. It's when you go to someone's house, when you're with the brethren or the sister, Ren, <laughs> you come with a supply. And it may just be a hug and I bless you in Jesus' name, or it may be a prophetic word, it may be an offering. Guys, it can look like anything. It doesn't have to be something really big and glamorous. It can be very small. So putting in your supply, that's huge in these house meetings. The second reason... I believe the Lord is having us focus on house meetings is because now is the time for the body to build relational equity with one another. Are you hearing me? Now is the time to build relational equity, relational trust, to build a foundation of trust and love and relationship with one another. Okay? Here's the culture that's going, that's, it's here now, but for sure, when you look into the world, this is what Matthew 24 and Luke 21 talks about 
as we're in the end times. That there, he says phrases like this, take heed that no one deceives you. In other words, there's liars all around us. He says many will be offended. There's going to be offense. Many will betray one another. There's going to be a betrayal culture. Many will hate one another. There's going to be hatred. Lawlessness will abound. There's going to be chaos. Love of, the love of many will grow cold. There's going to be a waning away of compassion. And then men's hearts failing from fear. There's going to be fear and suspicion. That's the culture that's definitely out there. And unfortunately, it's, it's in the church as well. But when these things come into your life, there's liars, there's offense, betrayal, hatred, chaos. There's no compassion. There's, no, there's fear and there's all this suspicion. If that's already in your heart now, when it increases and things happen in your life, you'll have no one to call. You'll have no one to lean on. You'll want a quick fix just like that, and it's not, it's not going to work. So now is the time to build relational equity with each other, where you have to be vulnerable. Everyone say vulnerable. Maybe confess some weaknesses, confess your struggles. That, there's some verse somewhere in the Bible about confessing your sins to one another. I mean, we don't really do, me included, we don't really do that very well. That requires vulnerability. It requires trust. That if I tell you my stuff, are you going to tell everyone else? Or are you going to use it to jab me? I mean, that's why some leaders, they don't share with anybody. If they share with someone, eventually it will come back and it will be a jab to them. And then they're embarrassed in front of the whole church. Now, I don't condone, you know, leaders not sharing and whatnot being vulnerable. But that's why leaders do that. And so here at Heart of the Father, as an eldership team and a leadership team, we want, is it okay if we're vulnerable with you guys? Are you guys going to want to jab us and take us out? I mean, you can. It's fine. Like, I'll, I'll confess myself. I'm okay. But we need, we need to do that. So building relational equity. The Lord wants in his church an atmosphere where the fruit of the Spirit is flowing. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Think about the fruit of the Spirit in your home right now. And you invite other believers in your home. And the Lord's just moving. And the fruit of the Spirit is in there. That's what we want. That's what these house meetings are about, where the Holy Spirit can move on us and fruit is produced and we can pick each other's fruit. I can pick some patience off of you, right? We need some joy. I know I've been, I've been championing some joy in my life recently, but I need some people who have joy in their life, like authentic joy. Come be around me. Okay, Sister Amanda. Okay, number two, empowering and equipping the body. So this is happening on Wednesday nights as Derek's been teaching on the spiritual gifts. But we have a heart to really empower and equip you. So the house meetings will help facilitate this. Wednesday nights, it's happening as well. But the reason we're going after this, and I believe the Lord is highlighting it, is because of Ephesians 4. That we are called to 
equip the body for the work of the ministry until. That there should always be a training and equipping and empowering. Okay? And it's happening here. The women are having a conference coming soon. Uh, men's ministry, they're meeting on Monday. So it is for sure happening. Now, it's not happening in fullness where we're like, okay, this is the fullness of it. We're doing it all now. No, no, we're, we're, we're praying into what it looks like moving forward. We're open to the Lord just speaking in certain ways. But it's, it's definitely on our heart and it's on the Lord's heart as well to have a, a culture where we are empowering and we're training and equipping. And I want to put out to you one way that empowering and equipping happens, but I think we probably miss it sometimes. Okay, so let me ask you this question. What do you think was the primary way Jesus trained and equipped his disciples? Think about it. How did Jesus empower them, train them, and equip them? Okay, I'll let you know. You're just, I know you're dying to know. John 13, Jesus says this right here, verse 14. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Here it is. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. One of the subtle ways God will empower you and train you and equip you is by sending examples into your life. Okay, you don't get what I'm saying here. Let me give you an example. So one of the ways the Lord is empowering me and helping to train and equip me is he sent a brother named Eric Bush into my life. Eric Bush is out passing out shoes to homeless on Comby Road. He has a heart for the homeless. I wouldn't say my heart is bursting with that, to be honest. But guess what? I'm watching his example, and my heart is getting stirred. And I'm realizing, hey, when, Brandon, when you're out and about just going wherever, remember Eric Bush's example. Remember what he's, the work that he's doing. You don't have to give, I don't have to give myself to it 24-7. But I can remember his example. Th listen to the language Paul uses in Scripture. Philippians 3.17, brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk as you have a pattern from us. Second Thessalonians, for you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge. But we worked with labor, toil, night and day. That we might not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. First Corinthians 11, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Paul tells Timothy, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word and conduct and love and spirit and faith and in purity. He tells Titus, in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern or an example of good works, of doctrine, integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech. So think about this. Paul is saying one of the primary ways the Lord is going to disciple you is by, one, revealing Christ as your primary example, and two, he's going to send other examples in your life. So you don't always need the man with the mic to show you everything. But you got friends, you got families, you got brothers and sisters in your life who can lead you by 
example. One of the ways I learned how to pray is I sat in Marie's prayer room, and she was an example to me. Think about it. Think about who the Lord is sending into your life and what can you learn from them. They don't need a badge. They don't need some big title. But if you have humility in your heart, you'll learn from anyone. They don't have to be some big-name person. So for the, younger, for the young adults and for some younger people here, we have deacons, a core team. Guys, they are amazing, excellent examples to you. If you want to grow in the Lord, I'm going to tell them to go into your life and just be an example. That's what Paul did. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. So, training and equipping, we want to do that. But I just, I just want to put that in there, that we don't miss these times where God, is, he puts someone in your life, and there may be not someone that has the big name, but there's someone that the Lord's trying to highlight something to you about them. Is that Okay. And I ain't really feeling that one. That's okay. It's real. Okay, number, number three. Preparing the body for what is coming in our nation and preparing as a bride to meet the Lord. What I probably should have said is preparing the body for what is happening now. I mean, it's already here. It's not coming. It's here. More is coming. But this word preparation, we have to be a prepared people. I remember the beginning of the year, I talked about how we are not a victim, a victimized church. We're not victims around here. This mentality that things just happen to us and we just kind of sit back and, oh, gosh, Lord, like we just, we, are, we suck and we're no good and, you know, just life happens to me. Like, no, that mentality will get you killed. You are not a victim. Can I tell you that? You are not a victim. Okay? You're in the army of the Lord. You're the bride of Christ. You're a saint. You're not a victim. So preparing for what is coming in our nation. A lot of times, though, it feels like we're missing it. So I have a, my specialized report here. I love Barna Research group, they have some really powerful uh, insight into what is actually happening in our culture. You guys want to hear a little bit? Okay. So the groundbreaking worldview research conducted by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University in 2020 revealed that just 6% of U.S. adults have a biblical worldview. Just 6% have a biblical worldview. That means that this word right here gets to tell them what to do. They obey the word, just 6%. What makes it really confusing is that the number as far as who confessed Christ as believers, the number is way high. But only 6%, when they conducted a the survey, they got asked specific questions and they realized are they believing biblical items or random items? The Cultural Research Center answers the question raised by the initial study. If, Americans, if American adults do not have a biblical worldview, what is the dominant worldview among the other 94%? The simple and surprising answer is 
there isn't one. This study, uh, the Cultural Research Center study, found that the most common worldview might be best described as syncretism. Another word you may have heard of is moralistic therapeutic deism. It's kind of a mouthful. But basically, what that is, it's a diverse, irreconcilable collection of beliefs and behaviors that define people's lives. It's a cut-and-paste approach to making sense of and responding to life. In other words, 94% of people live a cut-and-paste spiritual life. Their spiritual life is not founded on the word. It's founded on the things they like from this religion, that religion, that idea, and this idea. And whatever they like, they just cut it, paste it right to their life. But here's the part where it gets a little confusing. It goes on to say, three out of four of those people, that 94%, three out of four of those consider themselves to be Christians. Are you tracking with me here? So 6% of America has a biblical, a Bible-believing worldview. There's a 94%, well, what's their worldview? They would say that syncretism, just a collective gathering of beliefs. And in that group specifically, three out of four say that they're Christians. So what we have to come to terms with as a church is that America is not a Christian nation. Can we, can we swallow that a little bit? Is America, 6%, believe this right here. Can we say we're a Christian nation anymore? But can we really say that we're a Christian nation? If we say that we're a Christian nation, then we are trying to avoid what's really happening. The Bible calls that sleeping. I've been thinking about maybe, Lord, it's called sleepwalking, where we're asleep, but we're going to church. We're sleepwalking. We're doing, I gave to the poor. You know, I love that person over there. I'm nice. I'm kind. I come to church on Sundays. I'm doing all these Christian activities. But when it comes to, like, obeying the word and doing what he asks us to do, (laughs) it's too much. I mean, Jesus would, would say that's like, that's lukewarmness. That's, you're sleeping. One man, I heard him say this. Not only are we a post-Christian nation, one man said we're a post-American war, uh, world. Think about that. We're just not a post-Christian nation. We're a post-American world. So in one sense, this should be sobering because we have to wake up, okay? I can't fight your battles. You have to fight. 
That's why we're, we are this language of we want to be a body. The Lord is looking for a people. That includes you and me where we join together as a bride and as an army and do what he wants us to do. But first we have to wake up. Are you awake? I mean, how, how awake are we? I don't mean to be mean here, but how awake are we? I mean, we, I read these studies and I'm like, Lord, we don't really want to hear that. So what, so what do we do? Prepare. Well, Brandon, how do we prepare? The primary way we prepare is actually we actually start praying. So if I were to look into your prayer life, I could probably tell if you're sleeping or not. Look what Jesus says, Luke 21. These are his words. Luke 21, but take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing drunkenness and the cares of this life. And that day come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. It's Luke 21, verse 34. Jesus said, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape some of these things. So he is connecting your prayer life to whether you're worthy or not. Your watchfulness. These are his words. Romans 13, verse 11. And do this, knowing the time that now is the high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. 1 Thessalonians 5. Before I read it, once again, guys, I'm just reading the word. Okay, are we a part of that 6%? If we're a part of that 6%, we should be totally fine reading these verses. Like, this doesn't have to be a sad moment. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we shouldn't be a sleeping church. We should be a church that's awake and ready, that's not afraid to look at where we're actually at in the culture and what's happening in our nation. We should be in tune with that so much that we're awake. 
So this morning, we're waking up. If you're asleep, my prayer is that you would wake up. 1 Peter 4, 7, he says, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. I love what Cord Russell said, that prayer is so easy anyone can do it, but it's so easy that few do it. And it's the one thing the Lord Jesus is looking for as a prepared church, is do you actually pray? I mean, he doesn't have a super like, high standard to make it all hard. No, he's like, will you guys even pray? Once a praying church. So we have prayer meetings Sunday morning. I'm just putting this out to, to you. If you want to jump in, you can. Sunday morning, the prayer meeting. Monday night, there's prayer. Wednesday morning, there's prayer. Thursday morning, there's prayer. Once a month on a Friday night, there's prayer. And then there's that place that Marie mentioned a couple weeks ago. It's called the secret place. <laughs> Does anyone like the secret place anymore? I mean, I'm t- Jesus said, if you're looking for the Father, there's one place you will find him. The secret place. You guys go read Matthew 6. You got to get one. You have to get a secret place. And just to encourage you, if you feel like, man, Lord, like I'm not good at prayer. The secret place is boring to me. Guys, that's okay. That's how it started for me too. I had a, I had a passion and a zeal. I wanted to be serious. And then I get in a prayer room just me in my little prayer closet, and like every like, the Lord didn't even show up to my prayer meeting. That's how bad it was. He's like, I'm not going to pray. But it's hard. It's like nothing's really happening. I'm hoping. I'm I'm leaning into faith. God, I hope you're hearing me doing this. I don't know, but I just jump in there and just start doing it. And Mike Bickle, how he puts it, is beautiful. It first starts out as a duty. It feels duty based. It feels religious. Right, like, oh, you're being religious, bro. I don't need to pray. Starts out as duty-based. Then it becomes a discipline, right, where you do it consistently. Then it becomes a, a delight where you actually enjoy it. So where are you at? Is it a duty for you right now? Is it a discipline or is it a delight? The secret place. And I'm telling you, if you gain confidence in the secret place, then you'll gain more confidence in the public place. You will. Coming to a prayer meeting, a corporate prayer meeting to pray won't be that big of a deal to you. And guys, and I'm, you're, this is an introvert talking to you, okay? I'm introverted. I'd rather sit in the back and just do my own little personal thing. So preparing for what is happening in our nation, preparing to meet the Lord. If we're not prepared for what is happening now, I don't know if we're actually prepared to meet the Lord. And here's how, here's how I try to stay prepared. It's not by reading the news all the time. It really is not. The primary way I try to stay prepared and alert is through the secret place. Proverbs 8 has been my verse. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. I was telling, I was telling Carissa the other day, like, that's been my verse for the past nine months or so. And I don't even know what it means. But I'm doing it. He said, blessed is the man 
who does that and listens to him. So I've been sitting at the gate. I've been waiting at the door for the Lord. And I'm trying to keep my ear to his voice. I'm shutting out all the noise, and I'm waiting for him. I'm watching for him. That will prepare you more than what you realize. It's not stocking up on food. Right? Okay, maybe for some of y'all, maybe. But do, it, do all that. Sure, go for it. All right? I may even, you know, borrow some off you. <laughs> but that's not the way we need to prepare, church. Okay, some of you don't like that. I'm just saying, that's not the way you prepare. Okay, I'm going to say it again. If you look in God's word, Jesus tells us to prepare yourself by being watchful and by praying. I'm not saying go buy your, your stuff. I'm saying the primary way to prepare yourself is right here. Okay, so before you get all offended and upset, here we go. I'm just checking your pulse to make sure you're preparing through God's word and through prayer. Okay, I think you guys love me now. Good, I feel your love. Okay, so number four, stepping into our regional purpose. <clears throat> regional purpose, what does that even mean? Well, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. Regional purpose doesn't, has nothing to do with notoriety. It's not about numbers. It's not about big events. Okay, so if you hear me say regional purpose, I'm not talking about numbers. I'm not talking about we need someone with notoriety to come on in here. I'm not talking about throwing some big event. What I'm talking about is that when God looks down from heaven, he looks down at central Florida, and he says, I have a purpose for that little area right there. I have a purpose that I really want to release and see it come forth right there in central Florida. So I'm going to gather a people. There'll be my church right there. There's going to be several, many churches that will listen to my voice. But I'm going to gather them and release my purposes to them. And for that region right there, they're going to carry those purposes. That's real. Read, this, read the seven uh, in Revelation, the seven churches. Jesus didn't rebuke them because they were small. He didn't encourage them because everyone just knows about them. No. He's like, there's purposes and plans for this region, for this people. I'm going to give it to them and just do it. Don't get caught up in a billion things that you feel like you have to do to please God. No, no. Stick to his word. Stick to the mandates he's given to you. I've been, I've been thinking about the difference between mandates and assignments. That there are specific mandates on us as a church, and then there are assignments. Assignments kind of come and go. We give to this. For example, with Afghanistan. We're not going to take an offering up every Sunday for Afghanistan, right? We did last week, and we're going to bless it and send it to them. This song, we're going to bless it and send it to them. I feel like that was an assignment, right? Do you? So we just put forth 
an exerted effort. We bless it and we release it. And we say, okay, Lord, next assignment. Now, do we stop praying for them? No. Are we open if the Lord says, hey, there's another assignment for them? Yes, we're open and we'll just do it again. Right? So you're going to hear some of these assignments that come forth. And what that requires from you, it requires you to be flexible a little bit. Not so rigid. Like, why can't they just put, like, two things on the wall and just, like, permanent? And we always do those two things. Well, yeah. But there's assignments that come and go. But there's mandates as well. Mandates upon this church are things that we won't really budge from. And two of these, <clears throat> two of these, and then I'll, I'll end here. We got that lunch in right afterward, right? Oh, don't act like y'all ain't hungry. So two things real quick. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Okay, there's a mandate on our church. I believe this. And there's, a, there's an example, that word example again, we see in Scripture of a church. Paul says something about the church of Thessalonica that he does not say about other church, any other church. You guys want to know what that is? Okay, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5. He says, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. As you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. Verse 8. This is incredible. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. If you think about what he just said, he wasn't talking about just one individual at this church. He was saying there's a body of believers who are gathered together, and from the midst of them, all of them, the word of the Lord sounds forth. Here's what one commentary says. He says, the Thessalonian believers would be an example for other churches of the region because the Lord's message rang out from them. The term rang out appears only here in the New Testament. But in other literature of the era, it could be used to describe a clap of thunder, the loud cry of a multitude, a rumor that runs everywhere, or a place that is filled with the sound of a loud trumpet. Are you guys tracking with me? So, in other words, here's, here's how you translate this to Lakeland. The word of the Lord thunders in Lakeland, Florida. The word of the Lord is like a loud cry of a multitude in Polk County. The word of the Lord is a rumor that's running throughout central Florida. The word of the Lord filled the place of heart of the Father like the sound of a loud trumpet. But here's the thing. In this verse, once again, it's just not one person. Paul's writing to a church. So do you carry the word of the Lord in your mouth? That anyone and everyone can minister or do you need me to tell you what the word of the Lord is? I, I'll do that. 
But let me ask you, what's the word of the Lord? And so I was, so I was telling Allison this, just kind of going over some points with her. She's like, well, Brandon, isn't that like every church? Like, should every church carry the word of the Lord? And I'm like, yeah, that's true. Unfortunately, that's not the case. But here's the thing. Here's what's unique that should be unique about this body is that we don't just carry the word of the Lord. We actually carry the heart of the Father. That's, you know, you saw the sign out there, heart of the Father. <laughs> Let me connect the dots for you. So we carry his word, but also we carry his heart. We, we raise a banner of righteousness and holiness and truth, but we don't beat people up about it. I mean, I just read the stats. Our culture is going the wrong way. So what do we do? We raise up a banner of righteousness and truth and holiness. Everyone say holiness. holiness. Say righteousness. Holiness. Say truth. truth. Jacob, you shaking your head no? Yeah. Say yeah. You hold it up. <laughs> we're going to hold it up as a church. And we're not going to beat people up about it. We're going to carry God's heart to this nation. We're going to be a light. And the second thing, regional purpose, we just, we just did it. The song of the Lord or the song of the Lamb. Guys, we have incredible musicians and singers here. We do. They're going to help pioneer that and lead that. But guess what? Can I invite you into that as well? I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, on this, this point here because we, we basically just did it. But this is real, authentic, real worship. I'm talking about worship that is God-centered, that is Christ-exalting, that's not about us. That's not about us. Yes, our, we may be in the phrase, we may be included in the song some way or form, but really it's, a, it's pointing songs to the Lord, anointing him with our worship. God is looking for a place to do that. So when you come here, and maybe the words on the screen are not there, or maybe they're like a little mixed up, mixed up or whatever, that's when you just lock in to Jesus, right? Imagine that. Imagine a church that actually worships Jesus. We gather together and we're excited to worship him, not just kind of wait to see what's on the, the dinner table for this morning. So flip over your, your piece of paper. We'll read this together and then I'll pray. This word has been haunting me. This word is the direction we're going in. This is, in, in essence, this is what this new beginning is about. This was a tongue and interpretation that happened September 13th of 2020, last year, which I believe was the same time of our church anniversary. It, uh, it came through Diane and Barry. I believe this is what the Holy Spirit is emphasizing. There is a large unclaimed inheritance in my body. I have died and risen from the dead and received glory in the highest name and in the name above all names. I have an inheritance in the earth and all that is in it. I have inherited the spirit to pour out upon my people in fullness. To where the fullness of the spirit would come upon my people and floods would come out of their belly. Not a trickle, but floods. And so the inheritance remains. I can feel that the Spirit is calling out and saying, come and get your inheritance. 
Don't be satisfied with a nickel when I have given you a fortune of the Spirit as your inheritance when I rose from the dead. Everyone read just this next sentence with me. Fullness is your inheritance. God is looking for a church in central Florida that would be so full of his word, so full of a song, so full of inheritance and promise and purpose. Fight for it, go for it, groan for it, hunger and thirst and cry for the fullness that I have purchased for you. It is your inheritance that was given to you by your Lord when he rose from the dead. Don't leave your inheritance on the table. Don't leave it on the table. The enemy will try to keep you from it in so many ways. Things that cling to your life that distract you. Things of this world that dilute you and make you dull. All of these things, the enemy is trying to get you to forfeit your inheritance. But the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, not Brandon and his cool message, the Holy Spirit in you cries out and says, don't let it go. It is already purchased and in your name. The legal aspect has already been done. Don't let your inheritance remain unclaimed. But the Lord says, I will help you as you pursue and come forward after what I have purchased for you. I will help you. Who does that sound like? The Holy Spirit. I, the helper, I will help you. I will show you what hinders you. I will show you what hinders you. Only don't be content with the little that you have when I have purchased so much more for you. This word, it stirs me but also excites me at the same time. Because the Lord is already doing so much in our body, in you and in me. And I'm thinking, Lord, there's more you're going to do? He's like, yeah. There's more. There is more the Lord's going to do in us. But we have to prepare ourselves. We have to position ourselves. Some of us, we have to wake up. So I want to encourage you guys to take this home. Pray about this. Lord, what's this mean for me? How, how do I get, in, get involved, get engaged with the body? What, how do I participate in this? What's my part to play? Everyone has a part to play. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. God, we ask for truth right now. We ask for the Holy Spirit of truth to speak truth to our hearts. God, we want to know the truth. We don't want to be blind. We don't want to be blindsided by this truth that you have for us. We don't want to be caught off guard. We don't want to be sleeping. We don't want to be slumbering. But we want to be awake and fully alive. Holy Spirit, speak truth to us. We love truth. We embrace truth. I pray that we would not be afraid of the truth. And Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing. God, I thank you that you called us to participate and bless the church of Afghanistan. God, I thank you that all of our hearts responded to you. We said yes. Lord, I sense your pleasure over us. 
I sense your nearness. God, we thank you for your kindness. We thank you that you are singing over us and you're singing over your church all across the world. And Father, I pray that you would find in Central Florida, you would find in Polk County at least one church. I know there's many, but Lord, I pray you would find in this place right here a people who have set themselves apart for you, who have said yes to you, and who will give you what you want. In Jesus' name, amen.